With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello and welcome to the sixth episode of the TFG1 podcast recorded on February 20th, 2009. I am your host, Michael Blanchard. Hey everybody, it's Michael Blanchard with the TFG1 Podcast, back again for episode 6. Um, before we get into the episodes today, I just wanted to let everybody know I did get an email uh, from, I don't know if this person is a listener, but they are a member over on PredaconEmpire.com forums, and uh, I responded to that email. I will not be reading it on the air, but I do appreciate um, what the sender sent to me. Um, I... Uh, Really haven't really been doing all that much, just working the hell out of this podcast, getting stuff done, and uh, still in the process of moving apartments. Um, probably going to be uh, getting movers together here in a f- uh, few weeks. Probably by the time this podcast airs, I will have already moved, hopefully. Um, so yeah, let's get into some episodes today. Move in closer, guys. I want you all to get a look at my new invention. What is it, Wheeljack? A clever little creation I call the Wheeljack Instant Immobilizer. Uh, what does it instantly immobilize? Excellent question. Hound, the demonstration, if you please. Man, that hologram sure looks like that Decepticon dirty bird laser beak. It's supposed to, Spike. Now let's say you're on patrol one day. And all of a sudden, old Laserbeak shows up. Well, sir, you take cover! What happened? Did I nail Laserbeak? Ironhide, he wasn't for real. He was one of Hound's holograms. Oh, sorry, guys. You okay, Wheeljack? Probably, but this polarizer is poked out. Oh, wingnuts. 
I can't believe I mistook a hologram for the real article. My scanners must be glitched. Hey, none of us is perfect, Ironhide. My immobilizer demonstration will just have to wait a bit. Bumblebee, run into town and pick up a new polarizer, will ya? Gotcha, Wheeljack. Come on, Spike. First up today is the Immobilizer to synopsize this episode. We open with Wheeljack wanting to demonstrate a new invention that he is calling the Immobilizer, hence the name of the episode. <laughs> Hound creates a hologram of Laserbeak, but the demonstration is cut short and the invention is damaged due to Ironhide coming in and thinking that the hologram was really the real Laserbeak. Wheeljack sends Bumblebee and Spike out to get a part to repair the immobilizer. They end up in an arcade where Bumblebee is impressing all the kids with his video game sk playing skills. A girl taps Spike on the shoulder and asks him to introduce her to that cute Autobot. Uh, Bumblebee Spike is um, awestruck. He can barely say anything. Uh, the girl introduces herself as Carly to Bumblebee and Spike, and then they have to split because they should have been back at Autobot headquarters with Wheeljack's part hours ago. Bumblebee and Spike get pulled over by a policeman. <laughs> uh, who is confused the fact that the car, uh, that Spike is underage to drive the car, and Spike says it isn't. And Spike says, uh, I'm not driving officer, it's driving itself. Bumblebee transforms. <laughs> I'm sorry, I just... <laughs> oh, crap. Bumblebee transforms and tries explaining to explain the, the situation to the police officer, but Ravage jumps out of the shadows and attacks them. Spike, Spike asks the officer if he has jumper cables, and Spike shocks Ravage into retreating. However, the Ravage attacking... Bumblebee was only a diversionary tactic because he planted a minicam on Bumblebee so the Decepticons can spy on the Autobots. Prime and the others head out to test this new invention of Wheeljack's under safety conditions. Ironhide is told to take the first watch, hopefully guarding against Decepticon attack. At the demonstration, Wheeljack immobilizes the waterfall that the Autobots are standing next to. It is completely spolid. Uh, What's a spolid? It is completely solid. Spike trips over the remote for the machine, activating it and freezing Wheeljack. Ironhide thinks he spots a Decepticon, and it turns out to be the girl Carly that Spike and Bumblebee met at the arcade. All of a sudden, Ironhide hears Iron... Boy, I, can I talk in this podcast? I don't think so. No. Ironhide hears battle sounds, and the Decepticons have attacked the Autobots and are going to steal the immobilizer. The Autobots load Wheeljack into Ratchet and head back to headquarters. While there, Ironhide blames himself for the Decepticon attack and wants no more active duty. Carly asks him to show her around the, the headquarters, and he does. They go through where the Autobots store their weaponry, and Carly steals um, a explosive charge and drives away from Autobot base. She, find the, she finds the Decepticon's underwater base and plants whatever she stole on the outside of the ship. Inside of the ship, Megatron asks Soundwave for a report, and he tells the leader that there is a human intruder outside. Soundwave sends Laserbeak out to stop the intruder. Carly gets it to the surface, but Laserbeak captures her before she can 
uh, get back into her boat and takes her back to the Decepticon base. The Autobots realize that Carly's been captured uh, because the Sky Spy picked up Laserbeak taking her to the Decepticon headquarters. Sparkplug begs Ironhide to go after Carly because there'd be no way Spike could handle the Decepticons on his own. Megatron and the Decepticons hatch a plan to trap the Autobots while they come rescue their friend. The bomb Carly stole explodes in the outer part of the Decepticon base, uh, but the evildoers manage to contain... Okay, wait. The bomb Carly stole explodes on the outer part of the Decepticon base, but the evildoers manage to contain the water intake into the room where Carly is being held. Then Ironhide bursts in and saves her before she drowns in the overflow of water in the chamber. But the Decepticons have perfected the invention, and the immobilizer effect is now indefinite. Throughout the battle, the Decepticons immobilize several Autobots. However, Carly has a plan and asks Braun to to tunnel right under the device. She switches the wires to reverse the effect, and the end result is that all immobilized Autobots are freed and Ironhide destroys the device. Wheeljack asks how Carly knew what, how to get the device to reverse the effect. She goes into some scientific explanation and tells the Autobots that she learned it at MIT where she is getting her degree. Then Bumblebee whispers the scientific way to say chocolate soda to Spike, and he asks Carly out. They ride off in Bumblebee, and the episode ends. Now for my thoughts on this episode. Let's see, there are a few things about this episode that are worth mentioning. It is the first appearance of Carly, whom eventually becomes Spike's girlfriend, wife, and mother to his son Daniel, whom is in the 1986 movie, and the seasons that follow that event. One animation flub I noticed was when Spike and Mumblebee go after Carly, Prime and the rest of the Autobots are getting ready to leave, while the scene it shows Bumblebee standing there amongst the ranks even though he left with the kids in a previous scene. At the end of the episode, Carly talks about getting a degree at MIT. She can drive without being pulled over by the cops, so it's safe to assume she's a few years older than Spike. So, what would Spike's age be? Obviously, he'd still be in high school or something, but not driving age yet? However, Carly has apparently graduated from college. My point here is that they make most of the human kids seem older at times and or younger at times, depending on the situation. Talk about a storyline glitch. Instructicons, attention! When will you complete the Transfixatron? In one moment, Master Megatron. The Transfixatron is finished. Splendid, splendid, Scrapper! After I test the Transfixatron. The Transfixatron, my afterburner. Instead of wasting time on that, you should have been leading us against the Autobots. That idiotic contraption probably won't even work. Let's find out, Starscream. Transform! No, Megatron! You can't mean to... What's a test without a guinea pigatron? Transform, I say! As you command. Now, let us see if this idiotic contraption works! <laughs> 
your root mode, Starscream, and come back to me. Uh, I, I can't transform! Uh, what have you done to me? I have transfixed you in your present state, and you will stay that way until I free you. Release me, Megatron! Please! I'll do anything you command! <sighs> Perhaps I should leave you as a jet plane forever! You can't leave me like this! I'm too valuable to you, to the Decepticon cause! Megatron, I'm begging you! And the ticket money goes to charity. So what do you say, Optimus Prime? Hmm. It is a worthy cause, and we have been rather inactive lately. Go for it, Optimus. I need action or I'll rust out. I'm sure a large audience would enjoy my performance. <laughs> Just a waste of time and energy, if you ask me. Who's asking you, party pooper? On the other hand, Huffer, somebody's got to stay here and stand guard. Tell you what, Huffer, Wheeljack and I will keep you company. All right, then. Autobots... Transform? <laughs> Roll for the show! Now the Autobots can no longer call themselves Transformers! <laughs> Up next is the Autobot Run. To synopsize this episode, we start out by watching Chip and Spike watching a racing event, and Chip has an idea for an Autobot charity race. Laserbeak is spying on them, and he reports back to Megatron and the rest of the Decepticons who are having the Constructicons build a device called the Transfixatron. This device will transfix anyone into one spot. Megatron tests it out on Starscream, who can no longer transform out of his alt-jet mode. The Decepticons are going to use this on the racing Autobots. Skywarp teleports to the race and shoots the device at the racing Autobots, fixing them to their car modes. Ironhide asks Trailbreaker if he felt a jolt on his circuits a moment ago, but Trailbreaker brushes it off as he is now ahead of Ironhide. After the race is over, the Autobots realize that they can no longer transform, and the Decepticons attack and capture them all. All are captured except Bumblebee. Sorry, folks. All are captured except Bumblebee, Spike, and Chip, who head back to Autobot headquarters to tell the others what has happened. Wheeljack, Ratchet, Spike, and Chip come up with a way to neutralize the Transfixatron. They then head to where the Decepticons have taken their Autobot friends, and a battle ensues. Wheeljack, Spike, and Chip play keep the energy grenade away from <laughs> the Decepticons, and Chip in his wheelchair rolls for the transfixed Autobots. He throws the grenade, and everyone is back to normal. The Autobots then send the Decepticons back to their base, and Ironhide and Trailbreaker break the Transfixatron, ending this episode. Now for my thoughts on this episode. It was cool to see the Autobots doing something out of their normal element. Putting them in a racing situation was cool. I love the music that Jazz played in the racing sequence. It was very upbeat and very, you know, kind of like, kind of like race music almost. Um, the Transfixatron idea of Megatron's is kind of like Wheeljack's Immobilizer, only the Transfixatron didn't outright freeze you. It just trapped you in a vehicle, in vehicle mode. Now, I don't know if this actually, I said in the synopsis about it transfixes anyone. Um, I don't know if that's true. I don't know if it was, I don't remember if it was just, you know, robots, whatever, or if it was everybody. I'm not really sure. 
One thing I've noticed with the animation of Mumblebee in particular is that when he's in car mode, the image changes sizes from episode to episode. Yeah, that that is getting kind of uh, kind of annoying. It's almost like the um, the bad paint scheme on animated Bumblebee the toy. Uh, so yeah, up next is. In their relentless pursuit of more energy, the Decepticons make an ominous discovery. How dare you disturb me to watch a travelogue sound wave? Recall me the beacon buzz at once. With Megatron and Absurd. Are you interested now? Yes! An underwater city of such size must generate enormous energy. Energy that shall soon be ours. Arise. To synopsize this episode, we begin with Buzzsaw and Laserbeak flying over the ocean, and Megatron demands of Soundwave why did he disturb him for a travelogue video. <laughs> Soundwave um, maintains to the leader that he should keep watching that they find a huge source of energy underneath the sea. The Decepticons then head out to investigate. They meet Nergil, I think that's how it's said, I don't know, uh, and the Subatlanticans. They combine their efforts into using Subatlantica's energy to make Energon cubes. The Autobots, Dinobots, and Spike are attempting to play football when Wheeljack interrupts the game, telling them that Optimus Prime needs them back at headquarters immediately. At the Autobot base, Prime asks for volunteers to go and see what is going on at the d deepest part of the Atlantic Ocean. Spike and a few of the other Autobots head out to see what the trouble is. As they find Subatlantica, they are attacked by the Subatlanticans and Decepticons alike. 
Wheeljack sacrifices himself so the others can escape. Nirgil has his minions take Wheeljack to a holding cell and then tells them to fire the thrusters so that Subatlantica may rise again. The underwater city is headed for Washington, D.C., and Megatron tells the Subatlantican Guard to activate the force shield around the city. So a battle begins between the Autobots and Decepticons when Prime and the others arrive on the scene and attempt to stop what's going on. Starscream wants Nergil's magnetic disruptor ray, but the Sea King blasts him. Bumblebee and Spike arrive to stop Starscream from attempting to destroy Wheeljack. They free Wheeljack and join the battle. Above, Prime and the others get blasted by the magnetic gun, and Wheeljack calls in the Dinobots to save them. The giant, the giant robots blast their way through the force field and attack. There's a fight between Megatron and Grimlock, which Grimlock gets the magnetic gun away from the Decepticon leader, and he destroys it, freeing the Autobots. Megatron blames Starscream, but Starscream tells him of the plot by Nergil to double-cross the Decepticons. As the Autobots are free now, the Decepticons and Subatlanticans retreat, but not before Megatron attempts to destroy the Washington Monument. Optimus Prime and Grimlock keep the giant historical landmark from falling, and uh, Slag repairs the damage with his heat breath. Inside Subatlantica, Megatron demands a response of Nergil to Starscream's charges of treachery. The Sea King says it will have to wait because the Autobots are fast approaching. Yet another underwater battle begins between good and evil. Nergil is going to destroy Subatlantica but o by overloading the energy stockpiles. Wheeljack and Bumblebee attempt to stop him, but it is too late. The undersea city sinks back into the depths of the ocean, and Nergil escapes, thus ending this episode. Uh, now for my thoughts on this episode. It seems to me that almost every cartoon of the same type as Transformers, and even TV shows in general, have some sort of Atlantis-type episode. This also goes true for a Frankenstein-type episode. It was another nice change to see Autobots in an environment that we normally wouldn't see them in. Then again, throughout Season 1 and Season 2 so far, there have been plenty of quote-unquote water episodes. Yay, at least Starscream's bumbling was justified in this episode. <laughs> I just love seeing the Dinobots in action, and the Grimlock-Megatron battle was kind of cool. I Normally you would not see Grimlock and Megatron battling, but it was pretty cool. Midnight. Quantum Laboratories, well-guarded home of America's most secret scientific inventions. Talk free. Now to reprogram it to serve only me. Illegal access. Illegal access. It certainly is. Now you are being programmed with my personality, my instincts, my contempt for the weaklings who deny me the ultimate greatness I deserve. I am yours to command, Megatron, Master. I'm worried, Professor. Perhaps Torque 3 is too smart for mere men to control. We must continue the pursuit of knowledge, Paul. But Torque 3 is potentially capable of controlling the whole world. What if the wrong people got control of him? Man's future depends on the development of sophisticated machines. Torque is the first machine that can build other machines. Robot welders, robot constructors, robot controlled doors, even robot file cabinets. Hmm. 
I didn't realize how late it was. We should go home and get some sleep. Perhaps you're right. You'll probably feel better about our work in the mor- What the- This isn't supposed to happen! I'll call maintenance! Maintenance can't help you, Dr. Gates. I control Quantum Labs now. Torque has seized command? But how can that be? Find anything metallic, Professor. Ballpoint pens, paper clips, and hurry! What are you doing? Rebuilding the Visiphone for long-distance transmission. We've got to get help. Thomas Prime, attention please. What is it, Teletron 1? Unexplained change in oil tanker shipping patterns. Hmm. All those tankers are converging on a spot near the Decepticon Undersea Headquarters. They carry a vast energy supply, Optimus Prime. My olfactory sensors detect a rat named Megatron. Incoming message from Quantum Labs. Emergency frequency. Optimus Prime, thank heavens I've reached you. What's wrong, Dr. Gates? Our supercomputer, Torque 3. Someone's ordered his programming. Torque seems to have taken control of all the machines in the compound. Hang on, Paul. We won't let you down. But if the Deceptic creeps are collecting all that oil, shouldn't we nail them first? But our human friends with Quantum are in danger. The whole world will be in trouble if those tankers aren't stopped. At least let me check it out. Hmm. Affirmative. Skyfire, take Hound there. Roger, Optimus Prime. Let me go too, Optimus. Very well, Spike. Autobots, transform. <laughs> Up next is Day of the Machines. <clears throat> to synopsize this episode, we begin at a place called Quantum Labs, where the guard is making his rounds and finds some things were left out. He takes them to the last lost and found cage. Last, yeah, that that's great. Maybe I shouldn't italicize the uh, synopsises anymore, or else, you know, end up floating up. So he takes the things to the lost and found cage and sets them inside. Well, it turns out that these items are Soundwave in alt mode and Megatron in alt mode inside a violin case. Soundwave releases Laserbeak and instructs him to release Megatron. The three Decepticons go sneaking around the compound and blast their way into where the new supercomputer Torque 3 is housed. Megatron reprograms the supercomputer with his own personality. Dr. Paul Gates, whom is very skeptical of Torque 3, and another professor get trapped in Gates's office. The scientist rewires the Visiphone to contact the Autobots. Optimus Prime and the others head out to help the humans at Quantum, but Hound, Skyfire, and Spike head towards the Decepticon base, where fleets of oil tankers are converging. Prime and the others get to the compound, but Torque Three's machines. Uh, are too much for them, so Prime calls in the Dinobots, Grimlock, Slag, Sludge, and Snarl, arrive and make short work of the tanks and trucks. But Torque 3 keeps throwing new machines at the Autobots. They finally get inside the building where Torque 3 is housed, but, is a, but it is a maze and Prime goes in alone because he doesn't want all the Autobots being captured. Optimus Prime takes off um, when he eventually reaches uh, Torque 3, they had had a dead circuit linker because um, Megatron had fired circuit linkers at all of Torque's robots. Well, they had had a dead one uh, at Autobot headquarters from a previous battle. 
So Optimus had had that, and he had replaced it with the one that Torque 3 had fired at him. So Optimus Prime takes off the dead circuit linker that he had had on himself and destroys Torque 3. However, Megatron has a remote transmitter that's still co- that is still controlling the tankers. The Autobots arrive at the oil platform, and in the detention part of the base, Spike, Hound, and Skyfire escape by using an electromagnet... An electromagnet... I was going to say electromagnetic, what the hell... On Ravage and Rumble. They then destroy the force field generator, allowing Prime and the others access to begin the battle. Prime and Megatron fight over the remote transmitter, and it gets destroyed, but Megatron is going to blow up the platform anyway. The explosion... The explosions begin as the Decepticons retreat, and the rest of the Autobots head for the Hydrofoils. But Prime needs to find Spike, Skyfire, and Hound. They all escape and return to the Hydrofoil, and return the Hydrofoil to Dr. Gates. And the episode ends. Um, now for my thoughts on this episode. I believe that the supercomputer in this episode is the same voice as another character down the line in the series. I'm not sure whose voice it is, later on, but I'll really, um, I'll find out more, um, as I watch the show, um, I really remember the voice of Torque 3 being someone else, it could have been one of the Quintessons, I'm not really sure, um, I really didn't take a whole lot of notes in this episode, it really wasn't an episode that I liked, um, I don't know, it was just, it was just basically a filler episode, and everybody knows how I feel about filler episodes. Um, so yeah, let's see what's next. Dr. Fujiyama's doohickey's under that drape. If it walks, it probably needs a long extension cord. <laughs> I wonder if batteries are included. <laughs> when they turn it on, it'll probably blow the lights. We're here to guard the robot, not to make jokes at its expense. Gentlemen, what you are about to see is state-of-the-art robotics. This, gentlemen, is the first female ninja robot. I have named her Nightbird. Magnificent. Tremendous. Unbelievable. Very impressive. Bravo. What is a ninja? An ancient Japanese warrior capable of amazing feats of skill and daring. Yeah, I read about them. Ninjas were deadly assassins. Uh, why build a robot ninja, Doctor? Isn't that rather dangerous? Nightbird has been constructed to demonstrate to the world the limitless capabilities of technology. She will expand the horizons of robotic research to assist mankind and not to harm him. I assure you, gentlemen, she is not meant for battle or assassinations, and I have limited her powers accordingly. Now, gentlemen, if I may... Delinquent rumble and his punk pal frenzy. They'll send him directly to Scrap Iron City. Wait, we can't risk hurting the humans. Your theory seems shaky to me, Doc. Look out! They're destroying the building! Run for it! Humans have evacuated. 
episode today is Enter the Nightbird. To synopsize this episode, we start this episode out at Autobot headquarters where they are installing motion sensors into the Ark's defensive systems. That way they can be alerted faster when the Decepticons try to get into the base. Cliffjumper rushes to Prime and says he is needed at Teletran 1. Some famous doctor slash scientist needs the Autobots' help at an unveiling of the greatest robot humans have ever built. At the ceremony, there are several questions raised about a robot ninja because the doctor has unveiled Nightbird. Excuse me. All of a sudden, Rumble, Frenzy, and Laserbeak attack, causing the humans to flee the building. The Decepticon jets rip open the roof and steal the ninja robot. At the temporary Decepticon base, evil, the evildoers reprogram the ninja robot to steal the world's energy chip from auto, the Autobots, then destroy them. At the university where they where the assembly was being held, Optimus Prime vows to the doctor that they will get the robot ninja back unharmed. The Autobots then head back to base for repairs. Nightbird arrives at Autobot headquarters and climbs the volcanic 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 wall. Uh, why that's the way it is? What the hell? The volcano's wall. There we go. To get in undetected, the ninja sneaks around the base and climbs the walls to avoid the motion sensors. She gets into Teletran 1's console and steals the world's energy chip. However, she is detected by Mirage, and he sets off the alarm, alerting the other Autobots. The Autobots go out and search for the ninja robot, and they find her, and a very light battle begins, because they don't want to harm her. The Decepticons are still awaiting the delivery of the world's energy chip. Nightbird escapes from the Autobots and takes Prime's laser rifle, but she leaves her energy sword. The Autobots soon track her down with the help of Hound's infrared scope. Prime engages her and Mirage goes invisible to get Prime his gun back, but Nightbird counteracts everything the Autobots try to do to stop her. Starscream revolts against Megatron at the Decepticon base, and after entrapping him in an energy cage, Megatron turns back to the view screen to see what he has missed of the Autobots battling the ninja. He finds that they've captured her in in an energy net of their own. The Decepticons must rescue her that, so that they can get the world's energy chip. 
The battle between the Autobots and Decepticons begins, and Megatron has brought along an antimatter blaster that sucks up energy, the energy net trapping Nightbird. So the ninja is free, and the two factions are at war again. Back at the Decepticon base, Starscream frees himself and heads to the battle. He blasts the ninja with his null ray. He makes a snide remark at Megatron and flies off. The Decepticons give chase because Megatron wants that traitor's hide. The Autobots return to Nightbird to the Doctor, and he looks, and he locks her up, thus ending the episode. Now for my thoughts. Um, this episode was kind of weird to watch, in my opinion. I liked it. It was, again, as I've said, something different like most of the episodes were today. The visual effects with the ninja in this episode were very cool. Her energy sword was al- almost looked like a lightsaber. Of course, everyone tries to replicate that thing. Um, I really don't have too much else uh, as far as notes on the episode. Okay, folks, it's time to bring episode 6 to a close. Um, That's all for this episode of the TFG1 Podcast. Join me next time when I'll be reviewing five more episodes from Transformers Generation 1 Season 2, those being A Prime Problem, The Core, The Insecticon Syndrome, and Dinobot Island Part 1 and Dinobot Island Part 2. Thank you for joining me on the TFG1 Podcast. There are four ways to get in touch with me or leave feedback for the podcast. The first is that you can visit the PredaconEmpire.com forums and get all your Transformers discussion topics there. The second is you can follow me on Twitter. My name on there is TFG1 Podcast. The third is you can visit the www.earth-2.net forums. I have a thread over there for the podcast. And the fourth is the email address, which is the TFG1 Podcast. I uh, did not receive any emails uh, before uh, l- recording this podcast, so um, yes, please email in with any comments or questions or whatever, uh, and hope to hear from you guys soon. Uh, for now, I am Michael Blanchard saying in the immortal words of Optimus Prime, transform and roll out, and thank you for listening. Until next time. Need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Auto Parts. <laughs>